Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Well with Zenobia Bailey. My guest today is Kathleen McCall, who is Advocacy Director of AARP in Washington. I'm very glad to have her here today, and right before we went on the air, we were talking about our wonderful weather, and I didn't get a chance, uh, Kathy, to say that as I was, um, right before I prepared to come on the show, I was looking out of the kitchen window thinking, boy, this is just lovely, lovely weather, and down the street runs this beautiful doe. And then she skirted between two houses, and she was gone. But that's just amazing. I can't get enough of seeing uh, not only uh, deer, but also this beautiful weather. And you were saying that uh, where you are in Washington, it's also gorgeous. It is. It's the weather has been really, really wonderful, and uh, we too um, have. I, I call it the Nature Channel out our back window um, where I live, um, <laughs> and we actually have a bear that's roaming the neighborhood. So, oh my, a bear! Likes to get into get into our trash cans. Oh dear! What kind of bear? A black bear. Oh dear! He's absolutely Bye. beautiful, but he he loves himself some good trash. <laughs> Well, and he likes to take and... my trash bag and take it over to the neighbor's house. Well, again, I say welcome to the show. And just to get us started, would you tell us what it is that you do as an advocacy director for for ARP? So for um, AARP, I am the advocacy director for Washington State. So a lot of people don't, you know, they think that AARP is just in Washington, D.C., over on the other in, on the other coast, um, but ARP has presence in all 50 states um, across the country, and my job as advocacy director is really to look at the issues and policies that impact our aging population, especially the 50-year-old um, and older um, in the state. So, looking at a variety of issues related to healthcare, long-term services, um, financial security. Um, just a you know a variety of issues, but really listen to our members um, and work very closely with our state legislators and um, advance policies that help protect them and advance um, their lives and make their lives better here in Washington State. Well, I'm very glad to have that um, be uh, something that we can depend on um, as older. Uh, citizens uh, to have you lobbying for us on uh, these various issues. And um, uh, audience, uh, the first thing I'm going to want to look at, just to let you know where we're going, is long-term care and the crises that we face um, not only in the country but specifically in Washington State. But as the audience uh, comes from around the state, uh, I mean around the country, uh, I would hope that you would be able to take some of this information that you will glean from uh, our guest today and uh, have it be applicable to you. Uh, after <clears throat> Kathy talks to us uh, a little bit about long-term care, close to uh, the middle of the show, uh, I'm going to ask her 
to address um, small business and small business retirement. Um, and, uh, and then if we have time, we'll look at some other issues. But let's just start with long-term care, um, Kathy. Um, yes, go ahead. You just sure. So um, long-term, we call it long-term services and supports. So really what long-term care is all about is when you as an individual get to the point in your life where you are either not able to take care of yourself at home or you need to go to a facility for um, continuous care. Um, but basically, it's the care and support that you need as you age. Um, and it can it can include personal care, medical assistance, transportation, meals, and other kinds of services. So it's not just about your health care. It's about just the things that you need to have done as you age. The crisis that we have related to long-term care supports and services is twofold. One, wonderfully so, we are all getting older, um, we're living longer, we're healthier and everything, and which is fantastic. But what that means is that as the baby boomers age, and that means everybody um, that was born before 1964, as they are aging, the crisis rests in the fact is that there is really no way for individuals to pay for long-term care and supports. A lot of people think that Medicare pays for it. It doesn't. Um, Medicaid does pay for it, but you have to income qualify, and you basically have to be in a poverty situation in order to qualify for Medicaid. So the crisis is twofold with the demand, the increased demand from the baby boomer population, and then the fact that it is not covered by Medicare and Medicaid, so it requires people to use their own personal savings, and people do have not saved for this type of long-term support. Okay, so what is it that you might be doing on our behalf in um, Olympia? What what kinds of things do you do to uh, move this situation forward? So in Olympia, this last session, this last legislative session, um, we were actually able to uh, engage with legislators. So we held a series of panel meetings, discussions. Um, We did a series of editorial board meetings, which basically we sit down with the writers and editors and reporters at um, key newspapers across the state. And we also... um, met with the governor. Um, We also had conversations with, it's the Joint Legislative Executive Committee on Aging, which is um, a a cohort of individuals, including legislator, the governor's office, Department of um, Health and Human Services. And we sat down with them and we had these really frank conversations around this crisis. Again, the gap between the need, all the baby boomers that are going to be requiring long-term services in the next 20 to 30 years, and then also the challenge of the cost. And um, basically, we got their attention, and we were able to pass a piece of legislation that will help us. Um, or we actually didn't pass the legislation, but they liked the concept so much of creating a study. We really need to understand what are the options for how this state can finance long-term supports and services. So there's a variety of models that are available to us. But what we needed to do is really a very thoughtful and actuarial study that would look at what would be the financial solutions for funding long-term supports and services in Washington State. Okay. 
And um, did you come up with a with a skeleton of some sort, or are you looking well, for citizen we, input, or just where are we? We have. Um, we know that there's several models that exist. One thing that's great about AARP is that um, other states have also been looking at these same issues. And so what we can do is take some of the best practices from some of the other states, and we can also you know, look at the solutions that they provided. We've also been talking to the insurance industry and what options that they consider um, as viable solutions for financing long-term supports and services. But basically what we want the legislator, legislature to do, and based on this study, is that we will look at some ways of establishing either a trust, um, so similar to unemployment insurance. So for everybody that works, you know, in your paycheck, um, a small amount of money is taken out of your paycheck and put, put into, you know, unemployment insurance so that if you for some reason lose your job, then you can tap into unemployment insurance. The long-term supports and services, one of the one of the solutions that we're going to look at is a similar type of a model where every person that's working would put a small amount of money aside. And if they need that money in the future for long-term supports, then it would have a certain timeline and amount of money and everything else. And that's the study that we need to do. That's where we need to understand the actuarial data of, you know, how much would that be per individual? How much would come out of each person's paycheck? How much money would they have to be able to access going forward? So that's one model. Um, so another one is looking at the insurance system itself. Is there a product that could be created um, through a private or several private um, companies that would either be funded in part or supported by state money or by individuals, or would there just be the sheer number of people that would be accessing this tool that it would make it market a market feasible alternative? So those are just two kind of options that we're looking at. Um, again, it's something that we need to use the study, and we were thrilled that the state legislature gave us the budget to begin moving forward with the study. And we are going to start rolling that out most likely in the in the fall and the winter um, mm -hmm. as we start looking at that data and then really reporting back that data to the legislators to make some hard decisions in 2017. Well, it just sounds that sounds really encouraging. And um, one thing, I'm sure you all have um, uh, thought about it, but please don't forget those who are no those who are retired and aren't working, and that uh, those individuals will will also need some sort of a purse to to help carry them forward. Absolutely, that is critical, and that's you know a critical component of our of our thinking um, is how do we have a system in place for the people who are already on Medicare, they're retired, um, they're not paying into a system. And how do we support them as well? Um, because we hear stories, um, and I've talked to people here um, who've called in to say, you know, that they have their only recourse that they feel in order to get the long-term supports and services they need is that they basically have to spend down into poverty, which is a terrible term, um, and that means basically spending through their, their life savings so that they can yeah. enroll for Medicaid in order to get the coverage. And that, you know, in this day and age, in our country, and for 
um, our senior citizen population, that's just not okay. No, it's not. Um, and two shows prior to this show, we looked at um, Alzheimer's, and my mother happens to suffer from Alzheimer's, and uh, it's been very difficult negotiating, very challenging uh, uh, negotiating uh, her care, and um, and we've, we've come up, up, upon that same um, situation, and um, it is, it's very daunting, and, you know, you spend down, and then there's um there's no assurance that things are going to go forth the way you uh, need them to even even then but one thing i wanted to turn to too is that i am just amazed i was looking at some statistics and in terms of uh, our state alone the number of caregivers is just astounding and um i i got some of your literature that even <clears throat> Uh, broke it down into unpaid uh, family caregivers. So there are actually paid uh, uh, family caregivers in the system? Yes. In Washington State, there's um, 850,000 unpaid family caregivers. And um, they they provide an incredible service in terms of the care to family members. And if we quantify that and we actually have assigned a dollar amount, it's, you know, nearly, I think it's almost like a billion dollars if you looked at the cost, um, if you yeah. actually assigned a dollar value, which is incredible. And that's why yeah. ARP is also so focused in on, you know, not only making sure that we have long-term care for individuals that need that care, but we also are supporting the caregivers. Absolutely, and um, again, uh, being someone, I don't know where you are on the spectrum, but I've had to um, face that very situation with um, within our family. And uh, one of my brothers, my younger brother, is actually my our mom's uh, full-time caregiver. There are five of us, and we all contribute in one way or, or another. In fact, I have... Uh, I just came back from a visit uh, to the East Coast visiting them, and always on my agenda is to get him respite. And uh, there's a program in Connecticut uh, called Agency on Aging, um, and they have been tremendous in helping us with that. Uh, my mom was here for a time, and I thought she was going to uh, transition with me full time, and I tapped into our agency on, on, on aging, I forget the exact name, and they were invaluable as well. And uh, there is a lot of support, and uh, those of us who are treading the waters are very thankful for that support from both, as you say, the, fam the, uh, the care receiver and the caregiver. And to just know that AARP, along with other um, organizations and agencies, have this situation at the forefront of their um, vision and mission is, mo is most encouraging. And so to the guests, or the listeners rather, who are listening, I hope that you, this is encouraging to you because it certainly is to me. And I just want to thank you, uh, Kathy, for all of your, your work, all of your advocacy for, for all of us. Well, thank you. And I, you brought up an organization that's really important, which is the the Area Agencies on Aging. Um, and they are in pretty much every state. Um, and here they are very, um, they have a very robust community and outreach program. And yes. 
they are just an incredible resource, again, for caregivers and people seeking care. Um, And they just are a great resource. I cannot tell you the countless stories that I've heard of individuals who have, you know, felt like they've had no place to turn. um, And they connect with um, the area agency on aging that's in their community. And it is, it changes it changes them. It changes their life and changes the life of the person that they're trying to care for. I am one that that is attesting to that. I mean, they are wonderful. They were just absolutely wonderful. And and they are so genuine and they have a heart that really seems to resonate with where your heart is. And many of them have gone through the same thing or are traveling the road. And uh, they are. You are certainly right. They are most invaluable. Well, uh, would you like to say anything else about uh, long-term services and supports before we take our break uh, and then come back to look at uh, what you all are doing or what you were doing um, for us in the legislature regarding um, retirement? This is retirement. Well, and I think it'll be a good uh, segue and transition because one of the biggest challenges also around long-term care is, um, you know, a lot of people just have not saved enough money. Um, And so if there's, you know, things that you can do now and you're still working is to, you know, save more money. Um, Or if you have a granddaughter or grandson or daughter or son, is encourage them to make sure that they are maxing out the 401k match at work or that they are just putting aside money. Um, And we can talk about that more after the break. Okay. Um, One more thing um, that I wanted to ask you before we take the break is what can we as voters do to support your advocacy for us? Is there anything specific that comes to your mind that you would have us do to rally behind you? Well, I think it's really important. I know here in the state of Washington, this last legislative session, we were very focused on education. And education, you know, I have children, um, and I think education is is a very important thing. But it's also equally important that we take care of our aging population and we make sure that we do not lose ground. Um, This state, Washington State, is ranked number two in terms of the long-term supports and services we do have in this state. And what we want to do is continue to be that thoughtful, you know, representative of long-term supports and services in the state. And so it's important for voters to continue to support. You can check out our ARP.org slash WA website. Uh, We have our legislative priorities. You can also become an advocate and use your voice, um, either, you know, writing a letter to a legislator or your congressional representative. Um, But it's important that you let your voice be heard and um, take action and make sure that issues involving our aging population are still considered a priority, even with all the other competing priorities that exist. Excellent. I love it. And so on that note, we will take our break.
we are back. And so, Kathy, the question on the table is, um, in terms of retirement and specifically small business retirement, uh, what is going on in our capital today, our Washington State capital? So another piece of legislation, which was one that we were really, really focused in on, um, was the creation of a small business retirement marketplace. So AARP nationally has an effort called Work and Save um, that it has been working on for several years, I think more than five years. And Work and Save is basically to really encourage people who work at small businesses, um, both the employer and the employee, to the employer on the employer side to create a system or a tool for um, their employee to save money. So, and the employee to really encourage them to save, if, even if it's just a small amount of their paycheck. Because what is happening is there's the defined pension plan is gone. That, you know, is something that, you know, was around 20, 30 years ago. Um, there's still a few today in state government and in the education sector. But it's, it, really doesn't really exist now where you work hard your life, you can rely on a pension so that it pays for your retirement. Um, and also there is, you know, less, no, there's a fewer number of people that are actually saving through 401ks and providing savings because the cost of living has gone up, um, you know, spending patterns, paying for college, you know, et cetera. A lot of people just do not save money, and we have um, a lot of data and information that basically says that, you know, we know for a fact that 25% of baby baby boomers in Washington have less than $25,000 in personal savings. And that data, it goes down as people are younger. And so what we're saying is twofold, is one is we were thrilled with this bill because it passed both the House and the Senate, and it basically creates a market-based approach so that it's easier and less expensive for small businesses to offer a retirement savings program to their employees. What was so great about this piece of legislation is the the prime sponsor of the bill, which is Senator uh, Senator Mark Mullet um, on the Senate side and uh, Representative Larry Springer on the House side, was that they are both small business owners, and they're hmm. both they're both very smart men, very smart. Mark Senator Maltlet was, you know, up in the higher echelons of financial banking with Bank of America, you know, and understands finances and retirement savings, and he knows this stuff. But when he started and opened his own small business, he owns a Zeke Pizzas and he owns a Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Um, and he's very thin and skinny. Can't figure him out. <laughs> um, he um, he basically said, "This is too complicated. I can't figure out how to offer retirement savings to my employees." So if you have somebody that's a small business owner, and he has this business knowledge and finance know-how, and he can't figure it out, there's programs that is, exist. There's the the Myra, and there's a SEP, and there's all these other tools out there. But it's just so complicated. So the idea, what we want to have, is a marketplace. It's a portal 
Um, it's not an AARP product. It's going to be products from all the big financial investment companies that they're going to have to meet a set of criteria, and part of the legislation maps out that criteria to be part of this marketplace. And so we want it to be really simple and affordable so that a small business says, I want to sign up for this because I want my employees, so it's only for small businesses with fewer than 100 employees, I want them to be able to save. And if the employer decides they want to match it, great. If they want to you know, incentivize it any other way, that's wonderful. But it's basically so the individual employee can just save money every paycheck. And we know for a fact that if, if people save just a little bit of money every paycheck, they will continue to become more responsible with saving behavior and save more money over their lifetime. And we've done some data and analysis, and again, so what's great about AARP is they actually did a lot of the data and research and showed that it actually changes behavior. That person saving $10, $15 a paycheck, that in the next two, three years, they're watching that money. And even if it's growing just by a couple dollars, they're realizing, wait a second, that's money I'm leaving on the table by not saving. And then they start realizing, wait a second, I'm going to change some behaviors and I'm going to save more money. I want to get more of this interest. I want to save more money. And over time, those individuals actually save more than their counterparts that did not start saving at a younger age. So there's a whole bunch of behavioral psychology that goes on with saving. And what we're trying to do is just remove one of those first roadblocks. And that is really for individuals to save now. And, you know, why is this important for everyone? It's important for our current aging population as well because there's going to be more money and resource available now and in the future if we do not have to rely on um, public assistance programs. So if we have more people that are able to save, they have more money to pay after they retire or if they need assistance and less people putting a burden on the public assistance system. And speaking of that, is uh, can you shed light on the on what is just a a mind boggler to me as to why it is that um the government wants everyone once turning 65 to be on Medicare whether they have in, you know, private insurance or not. What is that? Well, the whole idea of Medicare is that it it saves money the more people that are in the system. And so that it gives the Medicare it gives Medicare the ability to negotiate with a larger pool of people. And so and providing the same level and quality of care. The challenge is is that if you reduce the pool of people, um, and they continue if they move to private insurance and not rely on Medicare, or if they don't have a dual, um, they don't have dual private insurance and Medicare. Some people do that to offset the additional costs. Then they don't have the negotiating power, um, and it doesn't continue to make Medicare this strong viable tool um, that so many hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people use across the country. Okay. Well, that answers it. I mean, they have to have their numbers up and so they push everybody onto it. So Well, it just it what the hope is and what the intent and again, ARP has done some economic modeling, it's not even hope. It they know for a fact the dollars that they can actually save more money 
overall for healthcare um, as we have more people. And it still, it reduces the cost, but improves the quality. Okay, well, I'm going to leave that one alone for now and return <laughs> return to the small business owner and uh, to those who are listening who are just eager to get your employees uh, get your employees um, involved in a savings program. Kathy, what should they do? Well, right now they can just email us um, at AARP. Um, we have an email box set up so they can uh, email aarpwa at aarp.org um, and just put in small business in the subject line. And what we're doing right now is we are working on developing the rules and the protocols for the various investment companies and their products that will be part of this marketplace. And then we will be sending out updates um, as this product, as this marketplace gets built, and we're hoping to have this um, built by 2017 or late okay. late 2016, early 2017. Okay. Would you just repeat that email address once more? Sure. Email is aarpwa at aarp.org. Well, we are at the end of the show. I can't remember believe it 30 minutes seems to always go by so fast and Kathy I'd like to thank you as well as ARP Washington for your wonderful appearance here today to share what it is that you or at least some of the things that you were doing in um, Olympia on our behalf and giving a little bit more breadth and depth to what AARP is about so thank you so much and uh, take care, okay? Thank you very much for having us on the show. Absolutely. And guests, uh, our next show will be on emergency preparedness, and we'll have a representative from the Red Cross. Until then, I will say good afternoon and good night.